Bill Conan. <laughs> they say it's a bit of a shithole. You know what? It's our shithole. My story takes place about 10 minutes that way. Nowadays, I live about five minutes that way. I've come a long way. <laughs> Growing up around here, I had no idea that this place was a shithole. Or any sort of hole for that reason. And I had no concept that anyone would think this isn't an awesome place to live. To a certain degree, I still feel that way. And a big part of what was great about my childhood was my community, and in particular, my street. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, but I have to sort of paint the picture a bit. And we're, we're talking Canberra in the early 1980s, so cast your mind back and try not to get overwhelmed by the awesomeness. <laughs> now, in this city where so many suburbs echo prime ministers of the past, ours honoured a pioneer flying doctor, and we thought that was pretty cool. That's John Flynn. <laughs> yeah, like I knew. <laughs> we were that simple suburban life of the post-baby boomer tribe. And we weren't public servant blow-ins on a posting. We were a genuine Canberra generation. And we felt pretty good about that. Kids came in clusters back then. And in our street, there was plenty of them, I'm telling you. And we had a little, little cul-de-sac with a nature strip down the end. And it was the centrepiece for community life. It was a testing ground. It was a courting site at times. It was a war zone and a drag strip from time to time. A party venue for the parents. Barbecues, they said. <laughs> yeah, we never knew those big wine came in boxes back then for our family, but that was okay. But for us, it was for sport. And in summer, that sport was cricket, exclusively cricket from dawn to dusk. And I'd just like to describe a typical game of cricket for you, if I could. So, again, Canberra in the 80s. There's me in my Ghostbusters T-shirt, which is pretty sweet. And on a typical occasion, there's me. I've just been quite obviously dismissed, uh, but I refuse to accept that. And I'm wielding a stump like Darth Vader, who was also quite big at the time, like some sort of demented young malevolent Steve Waugh without the cricketing ability. So... This is pretty typical, and I was at the younger edge of the age bracket, so I had to fight for my survival a little bit. So, anyway, uh, the other kids say, well, we'll just bash the crap out of him and we'll play cricket, because we're from Belcote. <laughs> and anyway, the older boys in the street intervened, and they get the game going again. And their names were Lindsay and Peter. And even back then, the old kids in the street, particularly these two blokes, we held in a, a little bit of reverence and a little bit of awe. They were really great young blokes and they were destined to do interesting things and if I could just talk about a few of the other players and see where where they began and where they ended up as well if we go through the next bloke into bat his name was Ben and he I'm looking at his parents and he was the king of the kids <laughs> and I'm sorry because uh, he was sort of the king of the kids the first to have a drink the first to have a smoke and to kiss and tell uh, all on the same night probably at <laughs> at one of these barbecues and he also had some publications that taught us a lot about anatomy and um, the reproductive process. Anyway, he was, he was next to bat. 
he had a sister, Jodie, who was not playing cricket because back then girls didn't play cricket. They did whatever girls did. And they, there was lots of girls in the street. And they were all quite beautiful, but we were dumb and none of us realised it back then. <laughs> Some other girls in the street, Sarah in a house down the street to come and Mary in a house later. So, yeah, lovely girls, but you just threw rocks at them back then. <laughs> that's what you did. So Ben's batting out in the outfield there. You've got a couple of my mates, Chris and Johnny. They were shit at cricket, to be honest, but you needed a critical mass of players to get the game going, so that's an important role. So my brother bowling, the game continues, and off we go. And it was just that, that beautiful game of street cricket where no one keeps score. The you know, we had 40 kids in this street, and the players would interchange. You'd rush in for dinner, rush out again to try and get a bat, and that was fast food for us. And the game would go on and on until that... The, the memory of my childhood that is most distinct is looking out to the west there, to the Brindabellas, as the sun just snuck over the Brindies and it was too dark. And reluctantly, you all turned and went for home and waited until the next day to start again. If I could just now, taking that little game of cricket and just, just fast forward 30 years and just have a look at where some of those players and supporters have ended up and unsurprisingly none of us played for Australia <laughs> although there is an Ashes tour at the end of this year and I'm feeling in pretty good nick <laughs> it's not too late so Ben Ben Cunningham his name was the king of the kids he's been playing king of the jungle most recently he's a documentary pioneering documentary 3D filmmaker and recently he's been doing a thing on the wild apes of the Congo whilst trying to avoid being shot himself by well-armed poachers. <laughs> His sister Jodie... Oh, Ben hasn't done any porn work recently, I don't think. <laughs> but with the 3D stuff... <laughs> keep an eye out. <laughs> Jodie is a wonderful artist and I'm told an even better mum. Her work, her mum was telling me, has been on display in this gallery here which is quite lovely because Belco art in our days was stuff we scribbled under underpasses and in the, in the, bus, in the bus interchange and it mostly just boobs and doodles. <laughs> so, so that was Jodie. Sarah. Sarah went on to host the first... Her name's Sarah Wilson. She went on to host the first series of MasterChef on Channel 7. Well, who watches Channel 7? She recently wrote a book, a best-selling book, called Why I Quit Sugar, and given the amount of cordial we bathed in back then, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Mary is Mary Husson, who her and husband, her husband own and run the Boat Shed restaurant on Lake Burley Griffin. Her dad went on to be the ambassador of Argentina and Switzerland and stuff like that. Both places are nowhere near as good as Belco. <laughs> so those were the girls. My mates... And incidentally, just going back just briefly to Ben and Jody, their parents are here tonight and their house burnt down in the street a few years ago. They didn't think about moving. They reckon they're going on an auction somewhere next week. They just told me then. That ruins the narrative. But um, <laughs> My mates, Chris and Johnny, they were pretty shit at cricket, but they've turned out to be pretty good operators. Johnny's the lead engineer on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which is pretty is sort of a big deal. Uh, Chris is... A full-scale goth. Long black hair, long black fingernails, studded leather stuff, all the works. Like he's living the Game of Thrones dream. <laughs> but this dude is also a very senior and very effective member of the Commonwealth Public Service. And he shows you don't have to have a flash suit and tie to be a bloody good operator. 
I really respect Chris's choices and his convictions. And his mum's here tonight too. <laughs> She's not a goth. <laughs> in public. <laughs> that takes us to the older boys in the street. And there was heaps of other players, and I apologise that I haven't mentioned all of them. No, we'll get angry about that, but that's like... They wanted to bash me then, and they wanted to bash me now. <laughs> including my siblings. So the older boys in the street, Peter and Lindsay. Lindsay is Lindsay Croft. And his father, I'll start with, is an incredibly, incredibly interesting man. He was a member of the Stolen Generation, who was taken from his mother at two in the Northern Territory, and worked his way from poverty to a series of scholarships and a tertiary education. He was one of the first Indigenous men to go to university in Australia. He went on to become a senior policy advisor to various governments, and Aboriginal people, particularly in the ACT, owe a hell of a lot to Joseph Croft. Lindsay was following in his footsteps. He studied Indigenous health at the Uni of Canberra, and he was involved in all sorts of social advocacy groups in the ACT. He was Canberra's Young Citizen of the Year in 1992. He was one of our best and brightest, and he was going places. He was going to Harvard, in fact. He won a scholarship to Harvard, a Harkness Fellowship, which apparently is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Lindsay was in the United States in 1994 with his wife and two young Aboriginal kids that they were guardians for. They were involved in a horrific car crash, and Lindsay was killed. He was 29. Peter's talents lay on the football field. He, even as a young bloke, was quite prodigious and that was really awesome for his dad, his dad Dick, who escaped from London and was involved in his range of amazing social causes and every bloody sporting club in Canberra Dick Desmond was involved in. He helped rebuild Darwin after Cyclone Tracy, just to give you an idea of the, how awesome this bloke was. Peter was heading in the same direction. He trialled with English Premier League clubs even as a teenager. In 1983, Peter had a massive brain hemorrhage in the bathroom of his family home in Strello Place in Flynn. He died in the toilet. He was 17. I was seven. It was the moment that death and reality came to our simple suburban lives. I'll never forget Peter or it. Peter's brother Mike is over here. I had some health issues of my own last year and uh, I hadn't seen Mike for a hell of a long time and Mike was one of the first people to contact me on Facebook and wish me all the best. Um, I hadn't seen him t for 25 years until I saw him just then. <laughs> <laughs> He's the second best footballer in his family. <laughs> and, and, and probably one of the best blokes. And just to, to make the idiotic Canberra stories complete, Mike rocks up with this bloke called Andy. And I say, g'day Andy, how are you going? And, and we had a chat there at the door. Andy was Peter's best mate. And when Peter died, Mike inherited him, or <laughs> vice versa. And where this gets a little bit crazy, the street that I live in now, and I didn't know this till just then, Andy grew up in that street. <laughs> he played in my front yard now with a bunch of other kids 
just like I did in Belconnen. It's just bloody ridiculous. <laughs> Nappy Valley now in Canberra is over in Gungahlin. There's two streets over there, one called Desmond Place and one called Croft Street, named after Peter and Lindsay and their dads. And I only hope that in 30 years' time, the kids that grow up in that shithole <laughs> are just as proud of the place as I am of mine. Thanks.